Welcome to the HPG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and to share it with others. So we come to James chapter 3 this week, and uh, again, one of the more memorable uh, sections of the book of James. This is probably the longest single section that is just focused on the tongue, how we talk when we open our mouths. Um, And a lot to say here. Again, James is very vivid. He uses a lot of analogies in this section to get us to understand the power and in particular the danger of the words that we speak, which is very sobering as we talk on yeah. a podcast this is, going out to people. This is one of those chapters, as I approach it, I almost have to prepare myself for it. Like, okay, all right. Get ready to have your your toes stepped on because this is going to hurt. Yeah. Um, because as not only teachers, Bible teachers, we'll talk more about that in just a second, but just as people, this is the one thing that I think we all collectively can say, yeah, I struggle with that. When to open my mouth, but more so, when to shut my mouth and not say anything. Mm -hmm. Um, It is just such a a struggle. And James, although he's going to step on our toes here, I think he also has some really practical advice to help us learn how to tame our tongue. Yes. So uh, we'll go ahead and jump into it today. So uh, I'll read for us. We're just going to read the whole section, James 3, verses 1 through 12. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people, who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Wow, James, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, man, it doesn't get much more straight up than this. And in verse 1, it is interesting how this whole section begins as he says, Let not many of you become teachers knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Now, we can understand why that would naturally lead into a discussion about the tongue, but I do just want to talk about that general encouragement here from the very beginning. Someone who's a teacher, and I do think in the context of James 3, it is talking about someone who teaches the Word of God or somebody who is bringing forth 
or teaching or, or re- revealing something from God's word, they need to realize that what they're doing is very serious. And you got to think long and hard before you just jump in to teach something from God's word. There is a sense in which they will incur or have a stricter judgment about them, not only in what they say, but I think also possibly in the day of judgment as well. Because what they say could lead someone down the right path or the wrong path. And I think that can come back on the person that is the teacher. Yes. And Jesus was very clear about causing people to stumble. Uh, You know, it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and to be cast into the depths of the sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. And that's the position that any teacher takes on is to lead, hopefully, but also potentially mislead uh, those who either are physically younger or just younger in the faith. And it's so important uh, that I, that we take teaching so seriously. And I will say this, that um, there is another passage in Hebrews that talks about, well, by this time you ought to be teachers. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a couple different senses here. Kind of like we talked about faith and works last week. There's different contexts for that term and, and the ideas of works. Same thing with teachers here, is every Christian, on some level, is a teacher. Amen. We all, by our example, are teaching the people around us. We all have influence, and every Christian needs to be careful about their influence. And every Christian should want to figure out how to share their faith. And I think that's what Hebrews is talking about, is these Christians have kind of gone backwards and become so immature that they can't teach even the basic things from God's Word. And he rebukes them from that. He says, you guys need to mature. You guys need to press on to grow up um, so that you can teach people God's Word. Every Christian should be able to do some kind of teaching. Yeah. And so if someone comes to you and they ask you, like, oh, so what, what is it that Jesus really taught? I don't think the admonition is you go, well, I'm, I'm not a teacher, so uh, I, I'm not going to answer that question. No, that's that's yeah. not the idea. I think it is talking about someone who is in the role in, in some sort of official capacity, if I can use that word, that is proclaiming God's word. So maybe in, in a sense that Stephen and I are, are teachers as well, and that is what I would call myself as a Bible teacher. That's what I do. But I have to be so careful about what I say because we're talking about God's word here, not Chase's word, not Stephen's word, God's word. So we need to handle it very carefully and delicately as we present it to other people. Amen. And and that's what I think James has in mind here when he says, let not many of you become teachers. Again, we want teachers. We want people to step up. But he says, think twice. Uh, be careful uh, about this role. Don't use the tongue flippantly because what is the primary tool of the teacher? Mm-hmm. The tongue. The tongue. And if we are not careful with what we say, we can hurt ourselves and we can also hurt a lot of other people. We can do so much damage so quickly with the tongue. So he points that out. Um, He says in verse two, we all stumble in many ways, but listen, if you don't stumble on what you say, you're perfect. You 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 can tame the whole body if you can tame your tongue. We all struggle in, you know, various ways. Your temptation might look different from my temptation. But there's not a human being alive that does not struggle with their words on some level, whether it's spoken or written. And that's the thing in our, our digital age is we have a lot more written communication digitally maybe than uh, bygone eras. And uh, we just have to be careful because our words carry such weight. And we know this because what are we studying? The Bible, which is written communication (laughs) like Mm -hmm. god knows that it affects us because this is the way he chose to preserve his word for us 
And the way he wants it proclaimed is by people telling other people. So it's necessary. It's super important. Um, it's been pointed out that how did God create the world? He spoke it into existence. Mm-hmm. God used his I guess, metaphorical tongue to say, let there be light. Boom, there was light. And so the tongue is incredibly powerful. Proverbs will talk about death and life are in the power of the tongue. And James will talk a lot more about that in a minute. Yeah, so I, I love what James does here in this section in verses 3 through 5. He talks about things that are really, really small but have such a huge impact on the things that it directs. In verse 3, he talks about putting a bit into a horse's mouth so that they will obey us and it will direct their entire body as well. I did not grow up around horses, but this is a pretty common analogy. I understand that a bit goes in like the nose-mouth area of the horse and you can imagine, just even inside of our own nose and mouth, it's very sensitive area, right? And similar with the horse, if that bit is yanked left, they're naturally going to follow it so that it will direct them and they can, that pain will go away. But it's so small in comparison to a horse. I don't know, Stephen, have you ever been around a horse before? I've been around them, but I, I don't know much about But, like, have that. you ever stood next to one? I mean, they're... Enormous. It's like, I don't know why. I'm caught off guard every time I'm next to a horse. I'm like, oh, yeah, these are enormous creatures. They are so big. And yet something that really could fit in the palm of my hand is what directs them, is what moves their whole body. In like manner, the tongue is similar. Our tongue is so small, but if we can learn to tame it, it's going to direct where our entire body goes. There's a famous little kid song, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Amen. Um, it, it determines so many things about the direction that we're headed. And so we have to learn to, to bridle it, to, to take control of it. Yes, and to, to bridle. I mean, that's yes. another horse you know, analogy is to, to put a, a control over. There's one of the Psalms that says, you know, set a, a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Oh, that's cool. And that is the same idea, that um, it's not that we should just be silent. The extreme is to, I'm not going to say anything. No, we have to say something. There's a time to speak and a time to be silent but to learn to control and direct our words, that is the key. And that's the challenge with uh, this. So he, he shifts analogies here. It's almost like he just pulls out all the stops. He's just like five or six different I analogies know. for the tongue in, in this one section. The second one is a, a nautical, uh, a seafaring analogy of ships, um, which is kind of cool to think about, you know, the Mediterranean world, how common that would have been for them. I mean, it was almost as common as cars are for us, it feels like. I mean, they would have gotten this. And so the ships, they're huge. And the winds that drive the ship are strong winds. And yet this tiny little rudder, and the pilot turns the wheel, turns the rudder, and that whole ship changes course wherever the pilot wants it to go. And that's a powerful analogy that it it doesn't just affect us now, but it affects the direction we're heading. Same thing with a horse. You're riding a horse. You know, you turn the head of the horse with the bit and it goes wherever you want it to go. Uh, so much of the direction and course of our life is decided by the way that we speak, the way that we communicate, and the way that we listen as well. James talked in chapter 1 about being quick to hear, slow to speak, and how important it is that we listen to the Word of God, but here also being very careful with how we communicate uh, with others. Um, he, he throws in one more at the beginning of this next section at the end of verse 5. He says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes you hear about that, right? Like, I mean, we've had 
the wildfires out west and different yeah, places in Australia and other things. Gatlinburg burned down a few years ago now, and yep. they were able to trace it back to a young teenager who lit a cigarette. Yep. And that's what they were able to trace it back to. And millions of dollars of destruction all traced back to one tiny little, not even flame, but just, just ash, you know, that, that turns, yeah, embers of a fire. And that's exactly what he's saying the tongue is like. It, it is able to destroy if you are not careful, which is why I think there's a bit of a shift from here to the end of verse 12 there, that the tongue, as for all the good things it can do, and he's going to talk about that in just a second, it can destroy. And man, don't we know that? Can't we think of times that we have said something, maybe it was a total of six words, but it might as well have been, you know, a slap in the face. Uh, you know, it, it just has done so much damage. Or, or maybe someone has said something to you that it was just such a small phrase and it didn't take long for them to say it, but it caused some damage inside of you that you never thought could have happened. That's what the tongue is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's able to do good things as well. Um and build up and uh, give grace to those who hear. We talked about this in Ephesians 4, put off the old, put on the new. Um, you know, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only such a word as fits the occasion. It gives grace, it builds up. Um, so as the proverb says, you know, death and life are in the power of the tongue. But James seems to focus uh, pretty primarily on the negative impacts. He does say, yeah, some of you do need to become teachers, but not many of you. And you need to watch out because... It is like a fire, and fire is fire is not good or bad in and of itself. Fire is good when it's used properly, and it's in a fireplace or a torch or whatever. Um, and fire is terrible when it gets out of control, and that's true with our tongue. Um, I mean, you've probably heard some of the old like uh, stories about the guy who comes to the old sage, and he's like, oh, you know, I've told these lies, you know, or spread these rumors, you know, what can I do? And he says, take this feather pillow and, you know, drop the feathers behind you all the way when you come here next time. And the guy shows up next time, and he's emptied the feathers out behind him on the way, and then the guy says, okay, now go pick them up. And he's like, you, you can't. Like, they're, they're, they're gone. They've blown away in the wind, you know? And, and he's like, well, that's, that's what's happened. You, you can't. Uh, have you never heard that? I've story? never actually heard that before, but that's super profound, and that that's the point that James is making right. here. You can't undo some of the damage that you do with your tongue. You start to spread a rumor about somebody, you can't control who all hears that. You spread a lie, you can't always cover your tracks. And actually, I think about Apollos in the Book of Acts that um, you know he was off on baptism. He only knew the baptism of John. Aquila and Priscilla corrected him, but Apollos couldn't go back to all the people he taught at that point. I don't know how many people he taught, but Paul runs across 12 of them in Ephesus who hadn't gotten the memo uh, from Apollos that he had been corrected on. And so Paul has to correct and kind of clean up after Apollos. I think we talked about this when we did our Acts podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, it's so sobering to think about uh, how hard it is to undo the damage that's caused by the tongue. And so better to think beforehand, before you you know, strike the match <laughs> yeah. before you start the fire. What is this going to do? Um, and, and think carefully before we speak. Yeah. And it's so not true. Uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never oh, hurt yeah. me. Garbage. Uh, yeah. A complete garbage here. And that's James's whole point is that you got to be careful what you say, cause it can burn down the entire forest. And, uh, I think in verses six through eight here, I think it's important to see, I, I don't think 
James is saying, well, give up. There's nothing you can do about it. I don't think that's his point, but he is trying to illustrate that this really is the, the, the problem um, for so many people. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Again, I don't think James is saying give up here, but he's trying to illustrate just how hard it is to tame something like the tongue compared to everything else in the world. Yeah, it's interesting here. Like He describes it as this beast, like you can't tame it. Uh, you know, we've we've trained all these kinds of birds and reptiles and sea creatures like land and sea and, and air. We can capture and train and, and do these things, but like no one can tame the tongue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a restless evil. And then he talks about it like being poison, which I mean, isn't that true? We saw that in the Book of Acts. Like I think it was Acts fourteen, where uh, they poison their minds against the brothers. Yes, and it's by what they're saying mm-hmm. that what we say affects us more affects others more than what we realize. And what we hear affects us more than what we realize. And so controlling, oh, be careful little ears what you hear, be careful little tongue what you say, it can poison people. And that's really true. Like if you ever hear a bit of information about someone, you might not know if that's true or not, but now every time you see that person, what's in your mind? Exactly what that person said about them. That you said, well, maybe it's not true. But now it's in my mind. Now I think about it every and time. And it's like that little bit of poison. Yeah. And we just got to be so careful to only speak the truth yes. in love. And kind of tying this to verse 1, thinking about teachers of, the, of God's word, there are so many false teachings out there, so many false religions that were built off of some guy speaking false things. Mm-hmm. And it really is deadly poison. And centuries after that man said that those things... People are still following it and listening to it, and their minds have been poisoned by what that one man said 100 years ago, 200 years ago, or whatever the case may be. And so we have got to come back to God's Word um, and be sure that that's what we're speaking because there is no lie in God. Uh, God is truthful. That's right. And, and so he talks here the, toward the end um, about a, a sobering concept of uh, the tongue... <laughs> It, it can produce two very different kinds of fruit. And Jesus had a lot to say about these kind of analogies that, you know, a bad tree can't produce good fruit, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, if I got that correct. But he says in verse 9, with our tongue, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Oof. And, man, it's so easy. Again, he's, I think, He's talking to Christians. He's talking to religious people. And he says, okay, it's easy for you to you know, go to your assembly and to bless God. That's good. But it's the same mouth that you're using to attack people. And guess what? Those people were made in God's image. And I, so it kind of comes back to cursing God in a sense. Oh, that is so perfect. And it reminds me of Genesis chapter 9 after Noah and his family step off the ark and, and God makes a covenant with them. But one of the things God will say is whoever sheds man's blood by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. Mm-hmm. What was wrong with murder, ultimately? What did it boil down to? You are destroying an image of the Creator, mm-hmm. an image of God. And I just want to kind of make those two bookend points here, that this is a foundational truth in the Scriptures, that you don't talk bad about somebody, and you don't hurt them in any physical way because they're made in God's image. And man, our world needs to hear that right now. I need to hear that right now. 
because it is so easy behind someone's back or to someone that we really trust to talk ill of someone and say, well, they're never going to know that I said that about them. They're never going to know that I was willing to, to trash talk them behind their back. But someone does know. Their creator. <laughs> and you also, you don't know they're never going to find out. That's I true. Mean, that is so true. I think the about, about the, the, you know, the, the little the feathers or whatever that blow away. You don't know where stuff that you say is going to end up. You have no idea. Ecclesiastes 10, I think it talks about being careful what you say about the king because a little bird could take it and carry it <laughs> That's off. That's right. That is just so true. You never know what people may hear that you said about them. And so, um, like mama always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say, don't say it at all. all. Everyone's mama said that at That's some right. point. That's right. That's right. Um, but I think that th- these principles are so just true and we get it, but they're so hard to apply sometimes. Um, but remember, b- before you talk about somebody, ask yourself, is, is this something I would say about God? <laughs> is this something I would say about him? Because this person is made in his likeness. Right. And of course, people are different from God. But yeah, I mean, we just have to, when we see the value of each person and the damage that our words do to people, we need to think about that. Reflect on this person is made in God's image. And who am I to wield my tongue against this person? Uh, Kind of interesting. uh, There's several times in the New Testament and in the Old Testament as well that Jesus is pictured as out of his mouth comes a a sharp two-edged sword because mm-hmm. his his weapon was his word um and the sword of the spirit which yeah. is the word of god yes um, it's consistent in scripture that the word is the thing that is like a sharp two-edged sword piercing the division of soul and spirit joints and marrow um and that's god's word but we're created in god's image and our words have power um so it's just powerful to think about that and, and so he points out kind of at the end of this section listen Things should not be like this. Yes, yeah, I love how straight that is. Uh, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Um, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? It's, again, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You can't have both coming out of the same spring. Yes. It shouldn't work. Can a fig tree bear olives? That's ridiculous. Or can a grapevine produce figs? No. Like, And a, a salt pond cannot yield fresh water. And so, I mean, it's very similar to what Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount and other places where he says the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. And by your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. Every idle word that men speak, they will give an account for it on the day of judgment. Jesus had a lot to say about how we use our tongues. And so as we just think about practically speaking, I think this section is intended to put some fear into us that we ought to be slower to speak because I know myself, it's just, I'm, I can be so quick to say something. I don't like dead air, um, especially if you're on the podcast. Yeah. Like, you gotta say something, right? I mean, yeah. like keep, keep saying, just keep talking. Yeah. Eventually it'll get there. And that's a bad, generally a bad way to do things. Right. Um, but it's true in our lives that like, I don't need to just run my mouth. I need to slow down. I need to think about what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. And ask, is this going to give grace to the person hearing? Mm-hmm. Is what I'm saying true? Am I sure it's true? Because it's 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 exciting to share things with people that, oh, here's a new new thing. But before we check it out, or before we share that meme, or before we type that post, is it true? Is it an accurate representation of what's actually happening? And we've got to think before we speak, before we post, before we text, before whatever it is, 
um, just slowing down and thinking is a really important step. Yeah. And I'll just say, as we have this discussion, I'm going to point out a couple things I find myself doing um, to try and justify this kind of behavior. I might say something like, well, you know, but I do really love them or, you know, the, you know, bless their heart or, or something like that. And, and it is funny how, not funny, I don't but, mean to gossip, but yes. And we find these sneaky ways to do the thing that the scriptures are telling us not to do. We got to be careful of that. Um, or we might say, well, I, I really would say this to their face. Well, did you, did you already say it to their face or not? You know, be careful. Don't justify the different ways you talk ill of somebody. Cause I find myself doing that far too often. And on the other side of things, if someone else starts to gossip or starts to tell something that's not true, don't feed the fire. I really like the proverb that talks about, you know, for lack of fire, the flame goes out. And so when no one's listening, you know, the words of a whisperer, uh, they die out. And, and we get, we have to be people who are, are not spreading false things with our tongue, but also are willing to say, no, I, I don't need to know that. Yeah. I don't need to hear that. And sometimes there have been conversations where I've had to just say, like, I, I know you're about to say something, but if I don't need to know it, yeah, don't tell me. Yes. And that's and people sometimes have said that to me, too. Like, hey, like, let's be careful about not to overshare here. And that's that's a helpful yes. safeguard. I'll never forget. Um, I had a coworker at one time that, that was really bad about coming up, sharing gossip with me. And I got to the point where I wouldn't really participate, but I would still listen. And finally, I felt convicted enough. The next time he came up to me, he actually started his sentence with, I shouldn't be telling you this, but, and I stopped and I said, then don't. If you are acknowledging that you shouldn't be telling me this, then don't. And it was very awkward for me to say that. But he stopped in his tracks and he knew at that point I didn't want to hear it. And from there on, guess what? Guess who he didn't come to talk to and gossip with? Me, because I had to put a stop and uh, put a stop in the tracks there because of it, and uh, that's really got to be the attitude we have um, as we go forward to interact with other people or when we talk with other folks. Um, and I just love the, the practical advice that's given here. As Christians, everything about us has changed, including the tongue, including yeah. the way that we talk about other people. And this has been such a theme in in all of what James is saying. I mean, so much of, uh, if you just read through James with the theme of the tongue, uh, we haven't noted every one of these as we've gone through, but he talks a lot about, you know, if you lack wisdom, use your tongue to ask God for wisdom. Um, you know, don't just be someone, you know, be quick to hear, slow to speak. Um, don't speak against each other and sin. Uh, you know, you can say you have faith, but show it by your works. I mean, actions speak louder than words. Um, it's really powerful to think about reading through the letter of James and just seeing how frequently James brings it back to what we say and being careful about that to, yep. to glorify God with our tongue. Yep. Amen. So, Lord willing, we're going to finish up chapter 3 in next week's podcast where we will talk about the wisdom that comes from above, kind of tying into um, wanting to speak wise things with our mouth and wisdom coming from God. And so we'll talk about the benefits of the wisdom from above as well as the disadvantages to the wisdom of the earth. Yeah, amen. If you're enjoying what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. Um, we have some online and uh, actually hybrid uh, Bible studies going on now uh, in person as well. If you're interested in those, you can reach out to us, 717-585-0949, or email us at capitalcitychristians at gmail.com, or visit us online at capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening.